good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. A good man. Everybody say a good man. Leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. All right, can we stand for this part right here? First Chronicles, can you read this part with me? This is going to be part of my text here in First Chronicles 22, verse 5 through 7. It says, Now David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all the countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. I want to talk to you today on the subject of strength, courage, action. Strength, courage, action. Heavenly Father, bless your word. We thank you for your word. May your word leap off the pages and into our heart. I know in our minds that we may understand, our ears that we may hear, our hearts we may receive. Lord, let your word change us from the inside out. Change our thought process. Change our heart to be better. Lord, bless this word. Let your people see past me and at the cross. For at the cross, life changes, Lord. For you are the one that that can change a man or a woman's heart. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Look with me again to 1 Chronicles 22, verse 11. Now, now this is King David. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about King David. King David, as you know, he, had, uh, he was a shepherd, and he killed Goliath. And the Bible says that when he killed Goliath, the, his future father-in-law was the current king, Saul. And the Bible says that Saul was, not only was he the king, but be, the Bible says that he was head and shoulder over every man in Israel. Okay? He was a tall. And not only that, the Bible says he was handsome. Who doesn't want to have a handsome king? You know? You know? And he's tall and he's big. Did you know that every U.S. president we've ever had had been at least over six foot tall? We like tall presidents. That's amazing to me. And I, I didn't realize that. And it's true. Every president uh, was very tall. Abraham Lincoln was very tall. He was like six foot five. Could you imagine that? Plus the top hat. Right? But, you know, the Bible says that Saul was a man that was not only handsome, but he was tall. So when he stood out, he just stood and God chose him to be the king. And here, here little uh, David, who was a teenager watching sheep, comes out visiting his brother because there was a war. And he ends up, and you know the story, he ends up killing Goliath, who was almost 10 feet tall. And then the, the people would sing that Saul would kill his thousand, but King David, or David killed his ten thousands. Okay, David became a, a, a very famous person. He becomes King Saul's son-in-law. And Saul gave him his daughter and all these things. And, and King David, next thing you know, King David is being chased. Uh, uh, in, and he lives in the cave of Adullam for seven years. And the Bible says that during that time, all the misfits of the country would come and be with David. He was the leader of misfits. 
He was the leader of the outcasts, and people didn't want him. And, and yet he was anointed king, but he lived in a cave. He was running from his father-in-law, and he lived in a cave. Could you imagine the life of a future king that there was prophetic word that was given to him, that Samuel, the great prophet of Israel, poured oil over his head in front of his father and his mother and all of his brothers and said that God has chosen you, David, to be the king. What? Really? And he does all this exploit, and yet he lives in a cave. And eventually the word of God comes and he begins to rule and he was, became a king for 40 years in Israel. One of the things that I want to talk to you today about is as a father today, uh, there are oftentimes we say that you, we see the scripture here in Proverbs. It says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And oftentimes that men today, we are often looking at leaving our children material inheritance. And while those things are good, and while we should give them money to uh, help start their life, uh, I know people that live because their father left them a trust fund. Yeah? And that they live and, 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 and their father would leave them monetary means. But today I want to talk to you that brothers, uh, I would say it like this. There is more in eternity that we should begin to leave our children with a spiritual inheritance. See, a spiritual inheritance is something that most of guys, men, that don't talk about. They talk about being a good man and that you provide for your family and that you should uh, be faithful and uh, you would teach your sons and your daughters about sports and all these things and, and, and know how to drive a car, know how to change a tire. All these things are wonderful. But how many of us lack the teaching of inheritance of the Spirit? Brothers and sisters, it's the inheritance of the spirit that is eternal. So many people are worried about leaving their children. Oh, I got to leave my children with an inheritance, with a trust fund, with enough money so they can start their life. But what I want to tell you, brothers, is don't be lax in our giving of our inheritance of the spirit. You know, King David says in 1 Chronicles 22, 11, he says, Now, my son, may the Lord be with you, and may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God as he has said to you. You know, King David was so wealthy. He could have given him everything. The day that he, uh, he was getting old, he could have said, You know what, Solomon? I gave you all this stuff. And all the people around you, your enemies, are at peace. Man, you're going to live it up. You, I've given you all this money. But instead of telling him that I've given him all this stuff, what David was concerned about was, I want you to build God's house. Oh, brothers and sisters, stop worrying so, uh, uh, only about uh, monetary, physical things, but start worrying for your children that you're leaving them an inheritance to build God's kingdom. Look at verse 14 of Chronicles 22. Indeed, I have taken much trouble, this is David, to prepare the house of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold. Did you see that? 100,000 talents of gold and 1 million talents of silver. I'm going to break that down to you. In another translation, King David left 4,000 tons of gold. Tons. 4,000 tons, not 4,000 pounds, 4,000 tons. What is 4,000 tons of gold? 
one ton of gold equals 32,151 ounces. Multiply that out at 4,000, you're looking at 128,604,000 ounces, and gold today is $1,340 and some change. So he left him 100, look at what he left him, $172 billion plus worth of gold, not for Solomon's use, but for him to build God's house. How many people today are leaving a trust fund for their children to build God's house? How many of us are bankrupt in the spiritual inheritance of our prayer? Did you know that in the tabernacle uh, of Moses, there was gold all around when you entered into the holy place? Did you know that when there was an altar of incense, that when the priest would pour it out, the incense would fill the room? You know what that incense was? It was the prayer of the saints. How many of us are not really pouring out the prayer upon the gold, which represents the sovereignty of God? Oh, y'all, y'all not following me today. But the sovereignty of God that would be engulfed around that prayer. How in the world that our prayer would be surrounded and that gold represents the sovereignty of God, that God accepts our prayer, be it sweet or be it bitter. Just think about it, brothers and sisters. 4,000 tons of gold today is 172329360000 to build God's house. He didn't say build your palace. He didn't say go and party it up. He didn't say go and get all the Rolls Royces and the Bentleys. And no, none of those things are wrong. But he's not worried about that. What he was worried about is, son, build God's house. What is 40,000 tons of silver worth? So 40,000 tons, one ton of gold or silver is 32,151 ounces. If you were to multiply that ounce, that is 1,286,040,000 ounces. Over 1 billion ounces of silver. And today, gold is about $14.80, give or take. So he left 19 billion in silver. That doesn't include the wood and the timber. What are we leaving for our children to build God's house? You know, I, I meet a lot of people that are good people, and I know this is supposed to be Father's Day, but I'm harder on men because there's great responsibility. The very first thing God gave a man in the Garden of Eden, it started with a W, and it was a four-letter word, and it, the word is work. He didn't give him a wife. He gave him work first. He said, Adam, I put you in the Garden of Eden. This is what you need to do. There was responsibility. And so as a father, you can't have the wives do all the praying. You can't have the women do all the interceding. You can't have the women teach the children the Bible, and yet you don't study. You cannot be the one that said, I'm the breadwinner, and yet you don't do anything spiritually. Because, brothers and sisters, David, to uh, exemplify, to be an example of his love for God, he can only put it into monetary means. He gave $172 billion to build God's house. He didn't tell Solomon. He didn't, you don't read where he says, use this to build your own house. 
No, he said, use it so the world knows the majesty of God. Oh, brothers and sisters, today, are we willing? What are we willing to do? It's amazing to me that people are willing to study hard and work hard and build, but yet there is no spiritual inheritance that they're leaving for their children. You know, one of the greatest things that my wife and I talk about is that I came to Christ as a former Buddhist, and it would break my heart that my faith would stop at my generation, that my kids would not further their faith, that they will no longer. How many times that uh, we are okay that our kids, well, God will work it out. Well, they have their own choice. Yes, I know. But look at David. He said, son, don't worry about your life. Worry about God's house. I encourage you today not only to worry about the monetary and to provide. And there's a lot of things as men we have to do. There's a lot of responsibility. And there's days where I, I don't want to get out of bed like most people. There's a lot of things. And this world and this age, in this hour, I was telling my wife, it's difficult to know where a man fits because you got to be careful what to do. Because, and, it, and I have three daughters and I have no sons and I grew up with five sisters. So don't sit there and say, I don't know. I do know. My sisters raised me, basically. I had brothers, but I am closer to my sisters. So I kind of have a little understanding. I can't tell you I understand women. I'm just saying I have a little understanding. And what I am blessed about is to see women today in this life we're living in is rising up and being a gift to our society as they should be. But men... Don't allow their strength and God's timing in their life cause you to be lax in yours. And see, that's the problem, is it's hard to find real men today. Because men today are wishy-washy. Men today are not passionate and convicted about what they believe. One day they're this way, and one day they're that way. And I'm not getting on men, but I'm just saying that we have to have the strength. And what does it mean? I'm going to leave you three things. The first thing is strength. Look, look at uh, King David. He encourages his son. He encourages his son to be strong. He does it. He tells him, be strong. In Chronicles 28 and 20, it says, And David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Be strong and have good courage and do it. The first thing is strength. Brothers and sisters, we got to have strength. It takes strength. Uh, there has to be strength in our faith. You know that sometimes it takes strength to live out your faith. You know, David was not ashamed to be a worshiper of God. He was the king, and the Bible says that his wife, Michael, looked down the window, and he's dancing naked before, and he, without his robe and without his kingship, and she was like, uh-uh, my man can't do that. <laughs> Brothers, it takes strength for you to live your faith out loud. We got to live our faith out loud. I know there's a, well, you know, believing in God is so personal. personal. I understand that. But that's just an excuse for you to be ashamed of your faith sometimes. 
See, it takes strength to live a life of faith. It takes strength to be committed to one woman. It takes strength to be committed as a father when things aren't going the way you are going. It takes strength to get up every day and say, God, I want to live for you and be committed to you. That takes strength. We always talk about we want our men to be strong, right? Most pictures we see, we don't want a wimpy man. Right? The last thing my wife wants to see is if a mouse ran across the room, I'm the first one on the chair. Right? See, strength is meaning what? We've got to be strong, not in just a physical, but we have to be strong in our faith. We have to be strong in our commitment to our obligations. You know, gone are the days now you hear that a man's word is his bond. I grew up with my best friend's dad, and he was always telling me, he says that a man's word should be his bond and a handshake should be good. You don't hear that men today teach their kids that stuff. I want my kids to know that strength is not just about the physical and you look good and you look like a bodybuilder and those things are great. But where is your strength in your faith and your commitment? Where is your strength to be to have conviction? Have you ever today? It's like, ah, you know. Have conviction. That takes strength because you might be laughed out of town. You might be laughed at the office, but have some conviction in your faith. Have a conviction and say, this for as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. It takes strength to have that conviction. It's not easy. It's not easy when we live in a world that anything goes and if it feels good, just do it. It's not easy to stand and stand up for your faith. It is not easy to stand up for your commitment. And definitely it's not easy to stand up for your conviction. Last, the second thing is courage. You know that there are people that you need to have courage to move forward. Oh, my goodness. Especially when you've gone through some travesty in your life or trauma in your life, or if you've gone through pain and heartache, it takes courage just to get up in the morning. Wow, y'all are quiet. You, that you're, it's like when my kids are quiet at dinner, I know the food is good. <laughs> When they're talking a lot, I mean, that means the food isn't too great. Dad, you didn't do a good job today on the grill. But courage sometimes, it takes us courage to move forward when things in our life is not working out like we planned. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I plan to fail. I hope today is not successful and I have no favor today. Nobody does that. But it takes courage every day to go out there and say, I'm going to fight every day for my spiritual heritage for my children. I tell my children like this, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you build God's house. Amen. Yes. It would break my heart because I tell my pastoral friends, I tell them like this, when you look at the Old Testament, when you were called into the priesthood, you Aaron was a Levite, okay, follow me. That means from that moment, all of the people that are Levites became priests. And so why would your kids, if you're called into ministry, why shouldn't they be in ministry? I don't, to me, that's the biblical pattern. 
Not saying that you should pastor, not saying that you should preach from the pulpit, but the kids should be doing something with ministry. You could be a doctor and be a minister. You could be an educator and be a minister. You can be an engineer and still be a minister. It takes courage to be faithful in your commitment. I remember, and I, I tell this story, this is before my wife and I had kids, and I was working, and let me tell you something, I was preaching God is good, and I was broke. Okay? I was driving a car that, oh my goodness. When I gave that car away, the people that didn't have a car didn't even want it. <laughs> That's serious. They, they'd rather walk. Ask my wife later if that's not true. They'd rather walk. But the air conditioning worked great. And I was working for a man that didn't believe in God. And he, he stood there and he told me, he said, if your God is so good, how come you're so broke? And he goes, you know what? Your God doesn't provide. I'm the one that pays your salary. And he said, at 19, I made my first million dollars. What have you made? But every day I would stand. He said, why, why don't you just, oh, that means your God is not good. I think you're believing in the wrong God. Be, but every day you have to have the courage to stand in, and be faithful to your commitment to God. Amen. You know, that man ended up dying at 36 years old, going 30 miles an hour in a $100,000 car. I was at his funeral. Those millions don't do you so, so good when you end up going 30 miles an hour in a $100,000 car. It was a freak accident. And I remember standing there at his funeral, and this lady walks up, and he goes, I don't know this man that's laying here at all. I said, like, what? Why is she doing on stage talking about this man? She goes, I saw the, the accident. And I was a nurse, and so I pulled over to see if I could be of help. And this man was thrown out of the car. And the last thing he said to me, he says, could you pray for me? I remember hearing that story, and I went home because the day that I found out, he embarrassed me. And I, I remember it, he embarrassed me in front of the whole company I was working. We had open offices, and, and he was embarrassing me. And I came home, and I was in tears, and I was upset, not because he embarrassed me, but I said, God, I'm not upset because he embarrassed me because I am nothing. And, but what it is is he's embarrassing you and your name, and he said you're not good, that you don't take care of your children. And I said, God, save his soul, whatever it takes. And boom, there it is. See, brothers and sisters, there's more to life than just teaching your kids to play sports. There's more to life than teaching your kids about uh, uh, how much money they can make and be a doctor and be a lawyer and be all those professionals. And I'm all for those things. But it would break my heart if my kids reach the highest echelons of life and walk away from the king of kings. It takes courage to stand for your conviction. It takes courage to move forward. 
I know you've been hurt. I know you've been broken. I know people cheated on you. I know that you didn't get everything you want in this life. I know that you're lonely. I know that people have misused you and lied about you and turned their back on you. But guess what? You still have to have courage to move forward. Solomon, this is the advice that the King David gave his son. He didn't give his son and say, hey, you better watch out for that dude. You got to watch out for that guy. Oh, kill him when you get a chance. No, he said, be strong, son, and have courage and do. That's right. Amen. Yes. We got to do. You got to have courage to move forward. There are days where some of us have a hard time moving forward because we look back at what we lost instead of looking forward to what we shall gain. I'm one of them. I admit it. I'm not perfect. And King David, of all the kings, he was a great king, but he was definitely not perfect. He had many wives. He had many problems in his own family. The kids were fighting. One of them tried to kill him, his own son. Hey, he was not perfect. But guess what? He left a legacy and an inheritance for his children in the spirit. What is the pattern we're leaving for us? Boy, y'all are quiet. Lastly, it's about strength, it's about courage, but it's about action. You know, action means to do something. You know, we could talk about it. We don't do it. You say, well, I want to be a better father, then do it. You know, I just had a, a, a dinner with a friend of mine who I've been praying for longer than I've been married or known my own wife. Him and I, we go back a ways. We, we were college guys. We used to ball together. We used to hang out. And he was crazy. <laughs> I told him that. I told his son that. Just the other, when we had dinner, I said, did you know that I've known your father longer than you? Uh, uh, he's known your mother and he said, really? He goes, yeah, and your dad, I've been praying for him ever since I've known him. And he's given his life to the Lord a year ago. And you know what he said to me? He says, I want to be an example to my kids. See, being examples not by word, it's about action, living the life. Hey, we're not looking for perfect fathers, but we are looking for fathers. Action initiative. Be, be willing to do when others don't. Wow. You know, it's easy just to sit at home on a Sunday and watch the ball game. You know, the U.S. Open championship is on, and I wish I was home looking at them swing some sticks. Trust me. It's Pebble Beach, y'all. But you know what? I hope my life and the actions I live preaches better than the words I speak. And I'm not perfect. You could ask my kids. They could probably write you a book of all the imperfections dad is. He's grumpy sometimes, mom. Yes, I can be. He's short sometimes. Dad, you have to be more tactful, dad. Yes, I know. But action means be willing to take chances even if you think you might fail. See, we hear this term, he's a man of action. We don't hear he's a man that doesn't move or he's a man that's frozen. Who wants a man like that? 
Not me. Not a woman. Not a kid. Because why? Men should be men of action. You should be quick to do. You should be quick to try. You should have enough. Because why? What is, why did David, of all the things that he can tell his son, of all the advice he could give him, of all the wealth that he could pro, has provided, he wasn't worried about David having money or, or Solomon having money. He wasn't worried about uh, uh, him uh, uh, being this or that. He was worried that, son, when I die, you make sure God's name is still honored and that was the legacy he wanted to leave Solomon it wasn't the legacy son look at all the enemies I beat down look at all the monuments I, I built for myself look at all the names look at all the money I got in the bank look at all the cars I have in my house look at all the mansions I have look at all the look at all the bling he wasn't worried about that he says to him son if you worry about God's house and build his house, you're going to be great. I have a friend that lives in the East Coast. He's pretty successful. He's a minister. But he was a businessman, too. And he's, his, he's got a couple kids, and he said, you know, my kids, I don't know why. My, my wife and I, we, we, we aren't in the medical field, but he, they feel he, my son wants to be a doctor, and, and, and we never really encourage them to be like that. We never really encourage them anything. He said, all I tell them is, says, it doesn't matter what you do. As long as you love God and live for him, you'll be successful. And I thought to myself, wow, how many people in my culture are talking like that? I'm not concerned about my children being the greatest uh, 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 doctor or lawyer or whatever they want to be, a ball player, uh, a soccer phenom, whatever. All I want them to do is say, you know what? I want to build God's house. But not a physical house, but I want to build God's name that God, people would know that God is merciful, that he is gracious, that he, he loves people that he creates, that in him we live and move, and that, that no matter who you are and where you come from, there is hope in him, and he's a good, good father. Yes. See, the thing is, we're worried about things that's so temporary, and look what... Jesus says in Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Wow. And yet he says this, he said, If a man gains the world and loses soul, what has he gained? I love David. I love David. And this is what he says in 1 Chronicles 28, 11, and 12. I'm going to close. Then David gave his son the plans. Wow. What? He didn't give him the plan to build a bigger house for himself, but he gave him the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat. And the plans for all that he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord. 
Brothers and sisters, David just didn't come up with his own plans. The only way David got these plans is because he spent time with God in the spirit. Wow. He gave him. He said, son, I didn't give the, I didn't bring this out because some wise man on this planet, but I got this from God because I spent time. Brothers and sisters, the plans that David gave his son were spiritual plans. What are we leaving our children? Are they of man's wisdom or are they spiritually discerned? See, the Bible also said this, the flesh cannot discern the things of the spirit, for it can only be spiritually discerned. When Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they began to say, oh, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist. And he says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, Peter, Simon, Simon Peter says, no, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And he says, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. Brothers and sisters, God, man cannot reveal to you the patterns and the plans that you need to build your family and your children. You've got to spend time. Brothers, I know you're watching me out there. You've got to spend time to give a plan to your children and your family. Stop just worrying about providing materially. Start being concerned with providing spiritually for your kids. Let us stand. And we stand. This afternoon, I know it's Father's Day, and I want to, this sermon God gave to me a couple weeks ago. I said, Lord, when am I going to speak this? He says, I want you to speak it on Father's Day because there's so much in this life we want our kids to do. And I, I, I am a father. I've got kids that's in sports. And I, I want to give them the best. And there's days where I'm like, Lord. But I have to be understanding. It says, am I giving my best in the things of the spirit for them? And see, it's not enough just to provide and be a good father to provide meals and put food on the table. But there's a responsibility that we provide. As a leader... And many of you are men or women. If you're a leader, then make sure that you're providing those following you with good plans from the Spirit. Are you giving them strength to encourage them to say, hey, no matter what, have strength to stand in your faith. It takes strength to be committed. It takes strength to be convicted. When their people lack courage to move forward, you've got to encourage them. You've got to help them to be faithful and give them courage to be faithful in their commitment. Be courage to stand for their conviction. Do something. Take action. If you see something is wrong, take that. Don't, don't just wait on another person, but say, hey, can I help? Can I do something? Can, how can I help you build? How can I be of service to you? Because if you help enough people, you'll get everything you want in life. I think Zig Ziglar said that. He says, you can get whatever you want in this life if you help enough people get what they want. I like that. I like that. And you know what? Start thinking about plans for the things of the Spirit. And ladies, I know this is on the men because it's Father's Day, but you don't get off the hook either. You know what? Because men, we need encouragement. You know, I, I look at mothers with little boys, and they're always encouraging their little boys. 
You know, I was at soccer camp and there was this lady that, that had two sons and they were in soccer camp with my daughter. And she's constantly encouraging her boys and this and that. And I wonder that does the, do mothers as, as wives, do you encourage your husband and say, hey, you're doing good. This part is good. Or is it just criticism? And oftentimes we say, well, you're a man, so why should I encourage you? But real, really, if you really know men, we have a little boy in us, even when we're in our middle ages. That's why we still have all the toys. It's just bigger now. We used to play with toy boats, now we have real boats. We used to play with toy cars, now we drive cars. And so, encourage. Heavenly Father, this afternoon we thank you for your word. Help us to have the strength. Help us to have the courage. Help us to take action when it needs.